True Crime Broads with Crystal and Renee. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, welcome to True Crime Broads. This is Crystal. And Renee. And we're so excited. Today we have Richard Ray on. And those of you that are local to DFW know exactly who Richard Ray is. He has been a local famous journalist for decades. And this is a first for us. This is our first time to have a guest actually in the studio with us. So no Zoom today, right, Renee? Absolutely. All right. We're excited to have Richard on. So just hang tight and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Page 2 Inspection Services, LLC, specializing in foundation inspection reporting, commercial, residential, and home or mixed-use properties. They handle prompt reporting and services at the most competitive price in the structural engineering field. PAL Engineering Services also specializes in structure, structural reporting, and mechanical engineering in the Dallas-Fort Worth, Houston, and throughout the state of Texas. They do structural inspection, Track full home inspection and evaluation, foundation inspection and repair plan, modular home inspection, pest inspection, mechanical and electrical inspections, drainage plans, and retaining walls. Be sure and check them out at uh, www.page2inspections.com or www.palengineeringinc.com. The phone number to reach them at is 972-268-4140. Thank you for supporting True Crime Broads. Welcome back to True Crime Broads. We're excited to have Richard Ray on today. Anyone who's lived in the DFW Metroplex knows who Richard is. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for being on True Crime Broads. Can you um, tell us about your background before we get started? Yeah, I was in uh, TV news for 46 years, the last 36 in Dallas-Fort Worth mm -hmm. at Channel 4, became Fox 4 in uh, the early 90s. Um, and I retired about three and a half years ago. And since then, I've been uh, working on a uh, filmmaking career. I've done some, some movies and commercials and voiceovers, but I'm concentrating mostly now on documentaries, which is kind of what brings me here. I I'm continue to be very interested in the Missy Beavers case. Um, I'm working with a couple of companies out of London on developing product, and I had pitched a number of stories. I haven't pitched Missy's story yet, but I've always thought it's such a such a truly a mystery yeah. what happened, and and a mystery sure. with a, a lot of twists and turns. And I've stayed in contact with Brandon over the years. Um, I think that's probably important to this too, because um, as you know, I was the first journalist to reach Brandon on the day his wife was murdered. I just happened to knock on his door minutes after he'd arrived home from a fishing trip in Louisiana, I believe. And um, in those cases, as a reporter, you're always expecting to get thrown out on your ear, but he opened the door and he recognized me from my many years on Fox 4, and he agreed to talk to me. And um, it, it, 
that interview leads people every once in a while to call me because there's a lot of people like the true crime broads uh, who are very interested in this case, remain very interested in this case. And um, I think that kind of led me here too. I, I, I can tell that story too because um, I called Brandon maybe two, three weeks ago and I said to him, you know, this is just one of the stories I'm kind of knocking around maybe. And we had a really good discussion, but I had assumed at the time that the murder investigation was a completely a cold case that nothing was being done on it. He seemed to think that there is a suspect in this case. And uh, although I know he's not always happy with exactly what you guys do, he knows <laughs> that your hearts are in the right place. And um, I think he appreciates the fact that you have tried very hard to keep the story in front of people. So I began looking into it, and I've talked to uh, a number of people who, like you, are, I don't know, obsessed is the right word for it, but uh, are very have a very strong Passionate. desire to keep this story in front of people. Uh, Tim Koval done some good work. Tom Webster is a guy who'd called me two, three, I think about two years ago uh, with questions. And I really hadn't followed the case that much, but... Um, I became interested in, so I started kind of looking into it. And then coincidentally, you guys called me and said, would you come and be on my podcast? So that, that's what brings me here. Yes, thank you. For, yeah, <laughs> thanks for being our guest. We're so excited to have you on today. Yeah, and we're, we're really happy, too, that you're a local journalist who is interested in Missy's case. Because it just seems like the media kind of dropped it a little bit, and that's probably because police didn't want to talk. What, what, are, what is your take on that, Richard? Well, there's a, there's a shelf life on stories like this. And frankly, Missy's was longer than most. It's just such a bizarre case, so puzzling, baffling, that I think it stayed in the spotlight a lot longer than, than most cases would. But there comes a point when it's not going to be a story every day, and especially, as you say, if the police aren't talking about it, and they, they really have gone radio silent for, I don't know, you guys know better than I do. How, three a couple years. years. Three years, okay. Um, I, I it's interesting, I think, in that I, Brandon is very adamant that he thinks the narrative on this story has to change, and, and I agree with him. Uh, as a matter of necessity, when police look into a crime like this, they really need to focus on the voice or voices that are most important, and that happens to be the voice of the victims. Um, I'm working one of the true crime uh documentaries I'm working on now is involving a um, young man in uh, Hunt County, uh, Greenville, Texas area, Heath, uh, Rockwell, Ray City. He was convicted of killing his parents back in 2005. The, the trial didn't happen until 2008. Since I became involved in the case, we've got the Innocence Project of Texas involved in it. And it was a classic case, they say, of wrongful conviction. And specifically because the investigator in the case, the Texas Ranger, immediately focused in on the son as he's the guy that did it. And all of his investigative activity was trying to prove that Brandon did it. There's no physical evidence that he did, and a lot of evidence that he, that he could not have. And uh, the lead attorney for the Innocence Project, Allison Clayton, we did an interview with her that was really eye-opening. She calls it victimology. She said, in this case, they didn't listen to the voices of what was going on with the two murder victims, Norma and Dennis 
Woodruff, what, what, was, what was going on in their lives? What would have led somebody to want to kill them? There was almost no investigation of that. So that takes us back to Missy Beaver's case. Police rightly focused on what was going on in Missy's life. Well, we've all got messy lives, you know. They, they, yeah, there was maybe infidelity and some financial problems. Maybe there were some marital problems. But that's all that really came out from the police department. And, and again, they, they have to release a lot of this stuff when they're, they're seeking arrest warrants and, or affidavits or search warrants or whatever. So that has been the focus. Whatever dirty laundry was going on in Missy's life, and again, we all have dirty laundry, mm-hmm. but Brandon is adamant that that's not Missy. This is this murder is going to turn out to be have something to nothing to do with any of that. And I think he's right, right eventually, but unfortunately, it's been very painful for for Brandon and his daughters and and, and their families uh, because that's all that really the media was given to go on. Right, and they really did talk about that and i'm sure that was really uncomfortable for missy's family it would be for any family to hear that because you've got your loved one that's just been murdered and now they're talking about you know affairs and all that kind of stuff and i thought at the time that just made me cringe and you're right it probably may not have a whole lot to do with it right if it's even true it has to be looked into so i'm not i'm not faulting the police department on it but i do agree with brandon i think in the end when the story comes out and we all pray that it will um that we can really begin to focus on who missy really was instead of all this other activity that had to be checked out but had really nothing to do with the murder at least that's brandon's feeling and i think he might be right yeah i agree i agree i think it i think it um you know i think it surrounded the people that were probably obviously involved in the murder not necessarily missy she just how somehow got mixed up in the middle of it and not on purpose, you know, just. Well, and I, I've always thought it's a crazy person that obviously it's a crazy person that would do something like that, but it's also maybe more their perception of what Missy did or didn't do than reality. I think that that person is off whether Mm -hmm. Missy was there or not. She just unfortunately became the target of a crazy person um, who got the wrong idea or maybe just as, little twist on the right idea of what was going on. And I mean, there's nothing logical about dressing up like that and waiting for someone in a church. What is the thought of most of the media, Richard? Do you, does most of the people, you know, in the media world think that she was targeted? Cause we hear so many people trying to spin these uh, situations where they think that it was just wrong place, wrong time. And that's just been hard for Renee and I to swallow. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I don't think I, I really don't have that much contact with the local media anymore. And I don't know, the thought at the time, I think, was we all assumed it probably was a targeted attack. But people like Tim Koval make a pretty good point that, you know, the guy comes in, the guy or gal comes in the back corner of the thing, going from room to room, appearing to be looking for something. And there maybe 20 minutes before Missy got there, mm-hmm. not does not appear to be waiting, uh, stalking her, not looking out the window to see when she comes in. He believes it's 
could have been a burglary going wrong. <laughs> well, you couldn't see the person waiting in a room because there's no cameras in the room for them to be, right? you know, to see. So and you also, wouldn't see that. And also they might not know the exact time. She came at varying times. Right. The policy, according to Missy's boss, she told she was a guest on our show a couple of years ago, and she said policy is they get there an hour early, but no one really does that, especially for those super early classes. So yeah. the fact that she was less than 45 minutes early was probably more the norm. Um, some probably get there even closer to start time than that. So I would think that the perpetrator, even if, uh, you know, they wouldn't even know exactly when and maybe not even which entrance, you know. And we still don't know that that person wasn't technically waiting for her moments before she walked in. I mean, we, they don't have that on video. That's they, true. You know, they were off so camera. it could have happened. Right. We just saw the moments where they were walking around the church, yeah. looking like they were doing something and they were doing nothing. <laughs> well, that kind of brings me to where I'm at now, because until I talked to Brandon, until I was told the stories about your recent uh, podcast with people naming names, and I'm going to be careful. I'm not going to name a name. I know you guys have name to name, but I know exactly who you're talking about. And the fact is, there's a search warrant. There's search warrants. Yes. That came out in 2020. Yeah. And um, uh, well, well, recap for me so I understand when did uh, you know? I know you guys have been on this particular person for some time. When did you? When did this recent? Um, series of podcast events start and take me through because I have listened to the Shane Forte podcast and I'm I'm familiar with that but I know there were others in which um, a circle of people seem to be pointing their fingers at one particular person. Right well there was a message in a a group um, a person had made and it was describing the person that we've been thinking it was for quite a few years um and so at that point crystal messaged them uh they started talking back and forth and um that went on for quite a while and then she made a a chat where we could all you know talk and we were basically trying to get him to go to police about the information that he had uh what he had heard and different things like that and he had tried that in the past and it didn't work. I don't know why he contacted the police department. Nobody ever called him. He contacted crime stoppers and they seemed confused, but I think it's because they don't know all the cases in the world, you know, um, or whatever. And so at that point, uh, we both been, began talking to him and we couldn't get him to talk. So we found another person that, um, shame 48 that had information. And so we tried to get police to talk to him and it just didn't work. Um, so at that point we decided after almost a year to have him on our podcast and let him tell a story. We didn't want it to go unheard. At what point did police get you guys on a zoom call and say, stop talking about certain things? Was was that shortly after after that? Yeah, Yeah, they, they weren't, they weren't, they didn't say that they, uh, they had a Zoom call with us. Well, they invited us to come in, but it just logistically, right. it's really far from where I live. And so we just did a Zoom call and they just sort of said, wow, you know, we were the male, there was a male and a female, the male investigator said, well, I was going to interview him, but there was a few things I needed to do first before I could. And um, now I can't. And that was all they said. They never said, come, don't do the podcast. They never said, don't talk about certain things. I just said toward the end, I said, we will always do you the courtesy of 
interviewing them first, like we did with shame and like we did with all these other people. We just said, please go to the police, not us. And, but it got to the point where, you know, we had emailed the police several times and given the, we knew it was the right email address because we've gone back and forth and we gave them the phone number, you know, we gave them the person's name and everything. Did we get the phone number? I don't they, remember. That we did. And they even thanked us. So we know they got the information. Oh, that's right. That's mm-hmm. right. So we did that several times. And then we finally. This is before shame went on? Right. Definitely okay. before. And then, so shame finally just, and his friend that I had initially talked to, um, also from that music scene, they just were expressing frustration with us that they couldn't get anyone to listen to their stories. So we just went ahead and we just assumed that police's lack of action on that either meant that they didn't think this person had anything to do with it or they were just never going to do it. So they weren't interested. Yeah. So we just went ahead and we just finally, we had been quiet for years about this suspect. (laughs) This was not a haphazard decision on our part, but we just decided that it was, time to let these people talk they were just busting at the seams wanting to talk and i thought well what the heck i mean so we let them do it and but that did seem to help right yeah because it sparked so many other people coming forward that was at the point where rusty and winters had came forward and said well there's a few things that i think he might have said incorrectly or whatever that shame might have uh, said yes, right. yes yes and, and we it, agree we yeah. we were sitting there listening and um we were like, wait, what? You know, some of the stuff we think was inaccurate. But, of course, he wouldn't know everything. But the parts that he did know were super important. Were important yeah. And we were really wanting police to hear those parts. I mean, he's kind of a flamboyant personality. I mean, come on, if you imitate Ozzy Osbourne, you know, yeah, in you clubs gotta, for people, I mean, yeah. you're going to be kind of a wild dude. Exactly. And we loved him. We loved talking to him. Yeah. But at the same time, he was very close to uh, the POI's um, boyfriend. Very close. They were in the same band yeah. for years. And like brothers, so that was the that was the thing that we were trying to get somebody to pay attention to. Yeah. Since that call with police, the Zoom call, mm-hmm. has anything happened? Have you gotten any other feedback from them about nothing? What's going on? No, they. I think they they followed up with us at one point and asked us a few questions, but that was... yeah, they did. They asked for a few things. That's right. They yeah. said they asked for what sort of things? Yeah. They asked for Shane's phone number or no? Was that it? That was during our Zoom call. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. They, that's right. That's right. What did they follow up? Oh, they were asking us how we knew that the POI was in New York, and we answered right. that. I wrote back on that one, right? Mm-hmm. And um, just little things like that, but no, nothing big. Oh, right. that's that's curious. How did you find out where she was? Good old Google. Good old Google. <laughs> Mr. Google. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's He's my friend. Yeah, we get a lot of stuff from Google. Yeah. Um, and um, it was, well, she wasn't a surprise to us at all. Uh, back in 2016, you know, say what May you will. May of 2016. Yeah, May of 2016, yeah. Mm-hmm. She made some interesting posts that we kind of noticed. And her name had come up as a group of people, not just herself. Right. But it was, um, it was a group. And she was always part of this group of people. And some of the group moved away before she did. And then she moved with her boyfriend she divorced her husband there was just a lot of weird activity around this group of people and they were in the rumor mill early on and the only reason we know about the rumor mill it's how i met renee was in the facebook groups dedicated to missy beaver's case i had never followed a case before in my life to this degree i mean scott peterson you know all those high profile ones i've watched but i had never um gotten into a local case and been in facebook groups and boy howdy can those get crazy and i wasn't prepared for that but the good parts of it were is that 
you were getting kind of local information that was kind of leaking in and it was interesting to watch. And this is long before we considered doing a podcast. We were just taking notes and, um, you know, I'd run things by my husband and he finally got into the case with me. And then I met Renee and other people. We would all just talk and it's just, there's so much information in there. But one of the things early on back in May of 2016, people were saying it's, it's has something to do with this group of people and this POI is, you know, front and center. Right. And, but over the years, we just watched her social media, which is bizarre. She has a lot of weird stuff on there. And it's entertaining. You know, if nothing else, we would check in just to go, wow, you know. Which is the reason it was so interesting when we received that message that said we were stalking, because we don't stalk. We don't did go we, to people's did houses. Did mention that? Now, you told me that off, off the podcast, but you actually got a message from this woman yeah. Uh, what, on Facebook? Yeah, Facebook. it was February of 2021. My mom had just passed away. I was in a not in the headspace of thinking about this stuff. And I look at my phone, and there's an inbox message from that POI. And this is back in February. This is two years ago, exactly two years ago. And it just said, stop stalking me. And each letter was capitalized. We've never mentioned her up, up, at, at that never. point. At that, at that point, you had not never mentioned, mentioned her. And we had certainly never stalked her. Never been. We don't go to. We don't call people. We don't message <laughs> them and go, "Hey, you know." We don't do that. Never had any contact with her Mm-mm. or anyone she knows at that point. So, something about us doing a podcast about Missy must have ruffled her feather. And we have another theory as well. Yeah, yeah. Somebody else made her aware of us. <laughs> Yeah. You want to share that, or is that too complicated? Uh, it's wait, it's it's another podcast. We'll tell you off the air. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I I I want to thank you guys at, at the very least because it's it has piqued my interest, and I've gotten in back into because when Tom Webster called me again, I think it was a year and a, maybe a year and a half ago, he's asking me you know about that that first interview and and if I knew anything about the case, and I told him honestly, I, I haven't really done anything on it in years and I don't think I remember anything much that would help you but as I go through this I I, under, I realize there are people like you who spent hours and hours on this thing and continue to are there other angles coming forward of late that you need to be exploring that I was going to ask about Tom Webster. Okay. Isn't he the one that contacted us and asked yeah. us about, for a synopsis about the case? And it just took us yeah. a while to get back to him, and he went ahead yeah, and did it. Yeah, he went ahead Who and is did that? It. Who, what, is he from the area? Uh, he's actually from uh, Southern California. He's done one really long... Six hours. Yeah, it, it, and it's, it's fascinating, but it is six hours. Yeah. And one of the things that, that Tom did that was, I think, pretty interesting is... Uh, he did a deep dive on trying to analyze the uh, license plate number on the Altima. Yes, that I've was heard picked that. up on mm-hmm. nearby. And um, he tells me it's been confirmed to him since that police did take that partial uh, information and, uh, and and ran it, but unfortunately could not uh, come up with a match on an Altima. In one of our um, episodes, um, somebody mentions who owns the Altima. And then somebody else mentioned yeah, the same information. Yeah, I've seen that too. Uh, the uh, son of mm-hmm. our person of interest, who Crystal likes to call a POI. POI. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. you got to get all deep voiced with it too, POI. <laughs> um, as I look kind of at my questions here, um, there was also 
uh, a a message from the POI <laughs> to um, one of the on one of the TV stations. Yes. Okay. So I don't remember when this says she might remember. She's good at remembering. I help about how far back, but there was like one of, I don't even know which one, how they would post like, um, you know, this is an interview or whatever, or this is what's going on two years, whatever. Um, and in the comments of the post on Facebook, um, this person commented and everybody kind of was like, what? What did she say? She said, I hope it's not the oh, wife yeah, 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 of yeah. a police officer. I hope it's not the wife of a cop. Right. Yeah. I, I think I got the quote here. I haven't seen it. I know you have a screen grab, but I'm praying it's not the wife of that's a cop. Exa- that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the POI was at the time a wife of a cop, right? Correct. Yeah. She and uh, she had been married to a Dallas PD, um, career Dallas PD, like 35 years. Yes. Um, they were married for 10 years, and they didn't they didn't divorce until about a year after the murder. Wasn't it a little maybe 2017? Yeah, yeah, so just a little bit longer than a year after the murder. What? So, what angles do you think police should be looking at at this point? I think they need to go back and talk to a lot of the people that were surrounding. Um, for instance, people that was at the party the night before the murder. I think they need to talk to all of them. Yeah, um, the our, birthday party. Our person of interest yeah. had a big bash at her house. That. I mean, I'm kind of a night owl, so I think of Missy being approached as at night because that's 4 a.m., but mm-hmm. obviously to Missy and some other people, that would be the morning because yeah. you had just gotten up. But um, that night that Missy was killed, the night before, was a party, and she hosted a lot of parties at her house in Midlothian, but this particular night, um, all those people that had been rumored, you know, discussed at the beginning were there. and Including Missy? No, 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 I'm sorry. Not Missy. Missy was asleep at home from what we know. And this party was going on. So this person, if this POI is indeed the killer, she would have gone from a party at her house to Creekside Church. What's the proximity of those two places? Very close. Very, Very close. Six miles, but um, one mile straight across, but right. six miles driving time. And the same, from what we understand, the same tower Right. Pink, the t- same power, tower mm-hmm. pink. But this group of people was at least peripheral on mm-hmm. Missy's life, in mm. Missy's life. Oh, yeah, not even, yeah. I wouldn't even say peripheral. I would say that um, a really good friend of this POI um, worked with Brandon at Cowboy Church. A lot of people get those churches confused. They are very close in proximity, but one is the one that Missy attended called Cowboy one is Creekside, where she was murdered and taught the classes. So those right. are two different churches. And I think they're in two different cities, I think. Yeah, they're just over uh, the yeah, line. In fact, I w- my wife and I went to the funeral. Um, so I, I remember it was the Cowboy Church, and right. it was not in Midlothian. Yeah, it's, right. in, it's, it's over right the line the edge, yeah. Yeah, of Waxahachie. That's right. But um, anyway. Yeah, I'll I think they turn. need to. I know, I can't remember where you were. I think they need to talk to those people. I think that, I mean, I think they need to start. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, start and over. They, now, it, they this person that we've been talking about, the POI, she was interviewed at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was. In 2016. She was part of the people they paraded in and out of there. But for whatever reason, they didn't pursue her at that time. Yeah, they got stuck on other people, like, you know, the, the other uh, officer out of Lancaster. They Bobby, got we can for, say it. Bobby okay. Wayne Henry. He's been cleared. He was on yeah. The, yeah, it's he's public record, so yeah. It, you know, I think they kind of derailed and got on that, and I think they missed a lot of these people to talk to. At the, I mean, you know, they're well, they, 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 they also They, they, also, they also went after another female pretty hard. Yeah, Courtney. Yeah. 
And um, from our understanding, from what Brandon told us, she and her husband have been cleared a while back. So, um, it always has appeared, it did appear to me from the beginning that it was a woman. I mean, that's nobody's proved that, but it, I've always thought personally. And you get debate on that too. Other people say it differently, but I, I always thought it did appear to be a woman. Yeah, and, and also, and if and if we do, most of us do agree that it looks like a woman. Probably, I would say what like eighty percent of the people we talk right. to, Renee. That kind of also, to me, decreases the chances that it's random. I don't know a lot of women that are hanging out in churches in the dark alone, yeah. in a thunderstorm. Yeah. Okay, the thought of that scares me like that's a certain kind of person that can drive over there that late at night alone in the rain dressed up in that stuff and go inside and wait i would be scared from my safety that person was really jacked up and wanting to kill someone i guess because that whole situation just sounds really frightening to me as if even if i was the perpetrator right so um and why would you bring a a gun if there's nobody there yeah and, and why would you be there and it just, I think that it being a female kind of decreases that. If you just look at statistics of break-ins in the middle of the night in empty buildings, it's usually not a woman by herself. Let me uh, let me back up to something you just mentioned because I think most people do not realize that it's out there that there that she was shot. Uh, have you guys have followed this a lot better than I have? have has that been reported anywhere? Well, a news channel actually interviewed us, um, and then they put that in the segment, and we didn't even know they were doing it. Remember, uh, they you know they it kind of like the little piece before a they local news channel. Mm-hmm, they sure did, and it said you know nobody knows who killed Missy or who pulled the trigger. And we were, me and Crystal were well, like, oh, wow. Okay, you know now what? I have learned since I've started on this, at least the background that, as I understand it, Tim Koval says it was actually another podcaster who alerted him to something that's called the Nash, or Uniform Crime Reports, UCRs. Yeah, UCR. It's voluntary. Police departments don't have to file these things, but they're trying to keep a database to maybe keep track of serial killers. They don't name names, but they... They list mm-hmm. where it happened, when it happened, uh, age of the victim, sex what, of the victim, all yeah. that. And apparently this uh, this other podcaster named John Lorden had been going through UCR, and he put in the date and Ellis County and female, and the report doesn't name Missy. Everything else is 100% got to be her. We, we love John Lorden. We've been on yeah. his show before. He's a fantastic podcaster. Yes, he. It's, it's anyone can see this. It's on murderdata.org if you want to take a right. look at what Richard's talking about. And it, uh, it does. It describes Missy to a T. There was no other murder in Midlothian that day of a 46-year-old white female. And it says it was by gunshot. She said she was shot. Yeah. Shot. And it, yeah. there have been other things. Like uh, we did a... Uh, uh, some other podcaster did an open records request and shared it with us the um, early, early, early on, the CSI report. And it says in there that... A gun was found at the body site location. And that confused all yes. of us yeah. because body site location. And I think they had made body site one word. Yeah. It was very strange. Yeah. Oddly written, body site location. So we're picturing... Of course, a gun, a gun laying next to the body. the body. And then but we're like, well, maybe not. Maybe they just mean... We, in the- we found out later by talking to Missy's boss, who happens to know the person that wrote that report really well. Gotta love small towns. And she said, no, I talked to him about that. It was in her car. Yeah. 
So body not, site location. Yeah. Her okay. body's here. So the body, the, the gun they're talking was about was, was her gun her in gun. her truck. Yeah. But for the longest time, we were going, oh my gosh, the perpetrator left the gun? That's right. so weird. Because body site location. We're thinking beside the body. You know, right. Like body there. site yeah. location was just odd wording, and that's driven a lot of us crazy over the years. But we finally made peace with the fact that it was out in their truck, and that was it. And what's interesting about that is, is the inventory... Um, that on the, one of the on the CSI report, isn't it the inventory? Yeah, there's no record of the gun. They don't they don't mention it. They mention her purse, oh, yeah. her iPad, her iPhone. Oh, that's true. But no gun. So I forgot <laughs> about that. Yeah, it's very weird. We can send you that report. It's it's yeah. No, I'd like to. It, see yeah, that. a I, lot of it's redacted as you might expect, yeah. but there's still some stuff in there. Oh, one other thing. Didn't they redact the gun later? They did. So that was also made us that also made us think it was the perpetrator's gun. But right. then we got clarification from people who know that say nope, it was in the truck and it was not her gun. The, the gun the wasn't truck. left behind. Basically. I don't know why they did that. Maybe they uh, maybe they have the reasons, but yeah, it definitely wasn't listed. So it's yeah, there's big paragraphs that were redacted, and I guess it was just people's personal information. So after stuff. that got talked about, as you can see, you've heard it too. Then we felt like okay, well, it's out there, so. Yeah, and I understand why they would uh, why they would want to keep that. I I didn't recall it, but look, going through uh, the research I've done at the news conference, somebody actually asked. I don't know if it was me or somebody else. Uh, did you say? Yeah, I heard there, that there yeah. was a gun. He no, said, no, I did not, I did say, not that. say that. <laughs> he didn't say no. There wasn't a gun. He said, no, I did not say that. Right. Which is, mm-hmm. which is uh, understandable. I'm not. I. But I think I do applaud um, all the efforts that that the true crime broads and Tim Cole and uh, all these other guys, all these other people who are interested in doing it. Because I think there are cases where um, murders get solved because people are doggedly trying to run these leads down. It's, it's well, hard there's to stop talking about it. Sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. Go ahead. I was just going to say it's hard to to give it up because you feel like. You're, she can't defend herself, and she, you know, she, it, it needs to be solved. I mean, her girls deserve that. Every, her family deserves that. And there's know? a lot of public interest. It's not just local people. Right. We have listeners all over the world that contact us and ask us if, if there's any updates. And people really care because it's they such really a bizarre do. case. And it could have been any of us. I mean, you walk into a church by yourself. She was in the habit of doing this. It's probably why her guard wasn't up, and it's why she didn't have her gun right on her. Right. You know, she's wearing workout clothes. She was carrying stuff in, and it's just unbelievable that this could happen to someone in a small town who didn't really have any enemies that we can find. I mean, everyone's life's got static, but she didn't seem to have people that just hated her, that we've never been able to figure that out. You know, you brought up a good point, and I've never thought about this. They might, because we've always wondered, why did they choose the church? It might have been because her guard was down. Because, you know, you don't go in there thinking, oh, somebody's going to be in here. You, you're at the church. You're going to walk in, and it's safe. It's locked up, you know. That that might have been why. Well, and it's a neutral ground, too, you know. Yeah. The perpetrator probably knew they couldn't go to the house. Their daughters were there. Mm-hmm. Brandon could have been there. I mean, you just don't know. Right. Anybody. And, you know, another interesting coincidence about this case, a lot of people early on were saying, well, we know Brandon's involved because he just happened to be out of town. Right. What a coincidence. I and mean, we've heard that countless times, times over yeah. the past seven years so but did the perpetrator now that we have a pretty good person of interest did they know he was out of town or was that a coincidence yeah well i mean him i guess him being he wasn't there so and does it matter to the perp exactly 
I think I've shared this with you off the air, but uh, after that first interview with Brandon, um, he was in shock and his head was spinning and, and he was really having trouble with how, how am I going to deal with all these reporters calling me constantly day, day in and day out. So he asked me very early on to be kind of a conduit for him. Uh, if he had something to say, he would call me and say, call all the other TV stations. I'm, we're going to have a news conference or whatever. And, and uh, that was very unusual. I never had a relationship like that with the, with the subject of a, a, a key player in a, this, this crime story. And, and, and it got to the point where my news director said, no, you can't do that anymore. You can't be his media guy. And I understood. I think she was right. Uh, but I have, I have, it, I did take it personally in that uh, as you watched this develop, as you watched uh, people just assume that the hubby did it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, after all these years in TV news, Usually the hubby did it, right. you know. Now, but clearly Brandon didn't do it. His his uh, his father, the father-in-law, Brandon's father. A lot of people pointed fingers at him. Obviously, he didn't physically do it. impossible. Yeah, yeah. The, so um, I did I did take it a little more personally uh, and stayed in contact with with Brandon, uh, sort of on and off, and um, had really hadn't talked to him for quite a while. Just kind of assumed that. Again, I pray about it every day that Midlothian Police Department would get the, what they need to solve this murder, that right. Brandon, Missy's friends and family would have some peace about this. Right. But I thought it was a, a cold case, and now I kind of hope it's not. Right. I hope you guys are onto something or somebody's onto something that they can... Well, and, and police may about. be 100% on top of it. We don't know. They've been so tight-lipped. Um, they could be millions of miles ahead of us. We would never know because they don't give updates. And, you know, we just hear from all kinds of people. And one of the things that keeps us going is we hear from people in the local community who say, you know, I'm scared. Um, we realized she was probably targeted, but still very scary that there's someone willing to do something like that in our community. Um, I know I've said this several times, but I have a friend that lives in Midlothian, so does her mother, separate houses, and they say they're afraid to take their trash cans out at night. They do it in daylight because they just, it, no one, no, a lot of people haven't recovered from this. I mean, this still, that's shocking to have happen in your town, and it's in the back of your mind, and people every don't want to be alone in the dark. Yeah, every day. Um, I'm the same way. I, um, our garage is actually in the alley, and so I have to come into the alley. So I'll literally call my husband and say, I'm here. Can you come open the garage door and let me walk in with you standing here? Because I'm always afraid there's somebody on the outside of that house on the side where you can't so see. So you yeah. still live in the middle. She's very close to the church. Oh, I live, yeah, yeah, How I close are you to Creekside Church, though? Less than five minutes. Yeah. Right. yeah. Five-minute drive, yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm a small community like that, although it's growing. They probably have more of that as it grows, but I'm sure it is a... A shock and a sort of a PTSD kind of situation for the whole community. Yes, yeah, yes. definitely. Yeah, it's good. It's very nerve wracking for sure. Yeah, and and you know, we always say that we wish the police would have an update, just saying, "Hey, we've got our eyes on someone." They don't have to give anything away. Just say, "Hey, we're still working give us the some case." Reassurance. It's yes. not a cold case. We do have some very viable. We have viable leads. Just please trust us and. And you're safe. You know, that would go so far with the local community because we hear from these people all the time. They're just like, why aren't the police doing anything? Yeah, you know, we get these questions all the time. And that would I think that would placate a lot of people. It really would help. Just any kind of reassurance. You know how it is. Your parents reassure you of something. You're like, OK, cool. Police need to reassure us that they're 
you know, we, we think they're working on it. We know they are, but tell us, tell everybody that. The public doesn't realize they are. They don't. Yeah. We get a lot of comments, too, of people accusing them. Oh, they must be in on it. Yeah. Or they must not care. Or they must be paid off by someone. We we're hearing all this stuff. I just wish they would make a statement. To and make as it, soon as you defend cause, them. Because people think that they're not interested. Right. You know, they look, I mean, we know that. We know better than that. But I'm just saying people who are just sort of remembering this case, not everyone's thinking about it as often as we are. Some people are saying, that's still not solved. Yeah, oh, there must shocked. be something going on, you know. And on our end, defending any of them, which we've done all of that, we get flack for that too. Yeah. You know, uh, you know in my research, I've also come across, there, apparently there have been a f- couple little documentary type things done on this. One called Still a Mystery on in- Investigation Discovery. Have mm-hmm. you guys seen that? We have. Um, Tim Koval pointed out that uh, Kevin Johnson, uh, retired assistant, police mm-hmm. chief there. Remember Kevin well, he's a good guy. Um in his appearance, he did talk about a partial DNA uh, sample that they had that they tried to make a, a composite picture out of, but uh, didn't have enough to work on it. Yes. Was there anything else that came? I, I, I intend to watch that, but was there anything else that came out of that? No, they, they it was mixed and partial, and um, from what we understand, nothing's came from that at all. Um, Another one that uh, somebody mentioned was uh, Lies, Crimes, and Video. That was a good one. Yeah, that was a really good one. And where was that? HLN. Mm -hmm. um, Headline News? Headline News. Now you can see it on, for a while it was on, uh, wasn't it on Hulu for a while? Yeah, Hulu. I I think that's where I I Googled and found that the Lies, Crimes, and Video, I I wasn't able to find it. Yeah, it it, it off for a while. Yeah, it was an HLN production, Mm -hmm. and it played on HLN a few times. You know, they re-ran it a few times, and then it switched over to streaming. I think it was on Hulu for a while, and then we found it on Spectrum Cable streaming remember yes, that you yes. and i both did because we happen to both have you guys that. find a link send that to me i'd like to see that too yeah what we've is, been what? looking for that link forever it's really elu- it's pretty elusive you know it's hard to get that it's one for some get. reason yeah they had it off for a while they talk about blood spatter on that one and i thought that was very interesting that they did like a whole you know what i mean on, on that segment they did a whole piece on blood spa- blood spatter and how they use that to solve crimes and i thought hmm, that's interesting that they're talking about that so this other true crime i was talking about the uh, uh brandon woodruff case um, we did get a uh, crime scene investigator that came in and, and did some stuff on blood splatter that was really revealed a lot. Yeah. And uh, it, it was interesting. I, hopefully that'll be something you guys will see mm-hmm. uh, soon on one of the major streaming efforts, but uh, uh, streaming platforms. Wow. But anyway, anything else that came out of that that I should be looking for if I can find that link? What, 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 it was what just a, it, it was very it was I liked that they dug into everything. Now they did talk about Bobby Wayne Henry as though he were still a suspect. Right. Yeah, I believe he had been cleared at that point already, if not they, soon after. So that part's a little dated, but it was good that they even mentioned him because so many you know that they were they went a little deeper than and they had Brandon on and his girls and they all did a great job. Of course, it was I just liked that show. I don't remember why the production value was good. It was it just was nice good. to see a case a, a show about her case. You know. Well, that it, was good. It, let me ask you this then, too. As I understand it, they, are, they have run search warrants on our POI and on uh, this police officer that, that was later cleared, certainly cleared of, of anything to do with Missy. Uh, have there been other search warrants that we that maybe I haven't heard about? Oh, yeah. yeah there have been several. We, there have been several. Um, uh, Bobby Wayne Henry was the most extensive. They 
ripped his house apart, took his computers, took everything, um, took his car. Put him in jail for a while. Put him in jail, 72 days. 72 days. For an unrelated charge. Right, yeah, and I I know what the unrelated charge is, but as I understand, there was no grand jury indictment. Correct. They moved on from that and let him go. And at the time, I thought he was probably the one that killed Missy. I mean, I was just watching that and going, wow. He's a really big guy, right? Yeah, that was the problem. He's this. I saw a picture of him that a local person sent us and uh, who happened to just be standing behind him in line at a store. And he's like the abominable snowman. He's enormous. So that was what finally made me go, okay, there's no way it's him. There's no way. This guy's oh, okay. huge. There are other search warrants on other people that oh, you yeah. guys well, are aware of? Um, public, uh, public, public records? Stuff? Are there? I mean, there's the ones, okay, at the beginning of the case, as you know, MPD would just release him. They would say, he, they would give him to the media. Here they are, here they are. Here they are. The, f- the first time that they didn't do that was for Bobby Wayne Henry. So mm-hmm. that was another reason it made me go, ooh, I wonder if that's because yeah. it's him. And so they also did them on, um, I don't think so. That's it, though. Our, the one that we're calling RPOI and then Bobby Wayne Henry. Besides, the rest of them have been released to the media, and they were not real specific toward any one person. Right. They were mostly phones and right. data. The target list that there was yeah. nine people and 11 phone numbers yeah. um, had some people listed on it. And then I guess they questioned all of them, and they went on. Um, and some people came in voluntarily, so I guess I didn't need one for that. Yeah, um, and my, under- my understanding is they didn't have to do search warrants on Brandon because he just whipped his door open and yeah, said, come on, come on you know? Yeah, let's they looked through his with. bank yeah. statements. They looked yeah, through Brandon's everything. always been completely transparent, transparent right. with them. And right. that's why early on I said, no, there's no way this guy did it. He's, he's being very transparent. And I'm sure he really appreciates that. He's gotten so much flack mm-hmm. over the years. Well, and you, you would, I would even hear other reporters say, oh, he just bought a new boat and all this. Well, you know, I mean. You know what my husband said? He would do the same thing if I was killed. He would do anything to get put smiles on my kids' faces to yeah. try to get them through that time. Buying a boat doesn't make you guilty. That's right. definitely true. I agree. Well, you guys have uh, re-sparked my interest in the case. Oh, so. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Thank you for coming on our show. It yeah. means a lot to us. Right. And we hope that um, more people get interested in the case, and they probably will. I think you've got some projects coming up that might help the case as well. So we're really excited about that, and we appreciate it. Anything else we want to we're Discuss. always into having people interested in the case. Yeah. It, it helps. I mean, you know, every podcast gets more interest and more people and more people talking and more tips. So, And we know you've got a lot of fans that will want to tune in just because you're on. Oh, so that'll I'll, be great. I'll blast it out on uh, my social media. Oh, yeah. thank you. It's so interesting to sit next to somebody I remember hearing on the news <laughs> my whole life. <laughs> I know. I told my husband, I said, you know how Richard Ray is? He goes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, that was exciting. So, yeah, we'll throw this up on Apple. And as soon as we get it from them, we we'll throw it up on Apple and Spotify and um, all the other podcasting platforms. So it'll be fun. We'll send you a link as soon as we get it up. Awesome. All right. Awesome. Thanks for being on. This was it a lot was of blast. fun. Thank you very much. Okay, everyone, thanks. Uh, if you have any tips, please call Midlothian Police or Crime Stoppers of Ellis County. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook. Have a good day. Thank you. Yes, yes. Money nest, that is in my crew. Everywhere we go, we dripping like.
those back. Skirt off the block, black, black. 12 on the clock. Black, black. I paint cash. Cash, cash, you do the math. Black, black. I bust the bag, black, black. you take the tab. Black, black. I cut you fast, black, black. you at a gas. Black, black. Skirt off the block, black, black. 12 on the clock. Black, black. I paint cash. Cash, cash, you do the math. Black, black. I bust the bag, black, black. you take the tab. Black, black. I cut you fast, black, black. you at a gas. Black, black.